C.J. Mahoney said there's a, there's a parallel between success and suffering. He says if you're succeeding and you haven't suffered, somebody else has suffered. And if you're suffering and you're not succeeding, it might just be that somebody else will reap, that, reap your seeds. And that's a good balanced view of suffering and succeeding. Um, John was encouraging us there this morning. I thought it was lovely the way it tied in with that song about oh, God is good. God is good. God is faithful and his love endures forever. And we were with somebody on Wednesday night after the prayer. And I, I, this old hymn came into my mind. And I want to just... Uh, it made me get out this old hymns of faith hymn book and if you have any of you have old hymns of faith or hymns hymnals of any sort hymnals a hymn book <laughs> just the way they used to say it I used to wonder what's a hymnal that sounds painful um, but you know what it's, it's good <laughs> oh, it sounds it, it's good just to read some of this stuff I mean, I, as soon as I read the, 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 the better known ones, I think of the tunes that I grew up with. And I tell you, it makes me run a mile. Because some of them were as dead as a door near the tune. But you know what? The truth in these hymns is unbelievable. And the theology... Graham's a, a, a fairly astute theologian. And I tell you, the theology in these and some of these older hymns, but this is the hymn that I want to just read with you. Standing on the promises of God, uh, standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises ring. Christ, glory in the highest, I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises that cannot fail. When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail. By the living word of God I shall prevail. Standing on the promises of God. Standing on the promises I now can see. Perfect cleansing, perfect present cleansing in the blood for me. Standing in the liberty where Christ makes free. Standing on the promises of God. Standing in the promises of Christ my Lord. Bound to Him eternally by love's strong cord. Overcoming daily by the Spirit's sword. There it is. Overcoming daily by the Spirit's sword. What are we doing? Standing on the promises of God. And the last verse. Standing on the promises I cannot fall. Listening every moment to the Spirit's call. Resting in my Saviour as my all in all. What are we doing? Standing on the promises of God. Isn't that amazing? The guy that wrote that, 1886, 
all those years ago. And yet the richness. And it made me start to look through one. And this is one of my favourites. And you'll know this one. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Listen to this. When darkness seems to veil his face, I rest on his unchanging grace. In every high and stormy gale, my anchor holds within the veil. His oath, his covenant and blood support me in the whelming flood. When all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. When the last trumpet's voice shall sound, oh may I then in him be found, clothed in the righteousness, in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before his throne. On Christ, the solid rock, we stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Stinking sand. (laughs) Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what has happened here this morning already. Thank you for the life that you give us, Lord. And, you know, sometimes, Lord, we're, we're a bit overcome by just the struggles of everyday life. But, Lord, I thank you for those that know you. You've put the Spirit of the living God in us. You have given us life eternal that will not go away. And I pray, Lord, in these few moments, would you come and help us to hear what you would say to us. In Jesus' name. If you have your Bibles, you can open them to John chapter 10. Although it is written on your, it is written on the, your notes. I remember as a young boy, I won a trip over to, uh, to Old Trafford to see Manchester United. I was in an organisation called Boys Brigade. Now some people would say, if you want a trip today, you might not want to go the way they're playing. But anyway, I remember, and I remember I shared a cabin with a young guy, uh, a couple of guys. We were, we were playing a football match on Saturday morning, and then we went to Old Trafford in the afternoon, and we thought we were the B's and E's. And in those days, George Best, Bobby Charlton and Dennis Law were all the, the, the heroes. Yeah, I did. And uh, I remember we started talking and in, in, the, in the cabin. And I don't know, mid, mid, probably 14 or 15. And somehow we got on to John chapter 10 about Jesus being the gate for the door, the sheep. And one of the guys, it was obvious that he wanted to talk more about this. And as we talked, it was just just using that, you know, you can't, uh, no one, uh, first one, I tell you the truth, no, uh, the man who does not enter in by the pen or uh, by the gate, but climbs in some other way as a thief and the robber. The man who enters in by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep uh, listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. Remember this young guy opening up his life to Christ in a cabin going over to watch Manchester United. I tell you, I I don't know whether they won or lost. It didn't matter. 
It didn't matter. That made my trip, as you can imagine. But here, um, you know, this is Jesus, the, the shepherd and his flock. And let's just read on. And it says, when, he ha- when he's brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him be- because they know his voice. If you're a believer today, you know the voice of God. You know the voice of God. And you know what the enemy does? It's one of the areas that he makes us doubt the most. But it's nothing new because he said it in the garden to Eve. What was he to say to Eve? Has God really said? All she had to say, and all Adam more importantly had to say, who was right there with her, all they had to say was, yes, God has really said. And guess what? We could have been born in paradise, in utopia. (laughs) Whatever that means. But we know that 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 wasn't the case. And says in verse 5, But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. It's about listening to the voice of God. That's what the Christian life is about. That's what marks us different from others. We listen and we learn to listen and we, we try to develop listening to the voice of God. It says, uh, Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. They didn't understand the, the analogy, so he just talked in plain words. He says, I'm the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, uh, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. That's what we're doing when we come to church. We're coming in and we're going out. And what we get in here, it should be encouraging us and building us up in order to, that we go, it makes us more effective when we go outside. What we have is not for us. What we have is not for us. It's great when God comes and, and deals with different areas of our lives. But primarily it's for others. You want to keep what you've got, give it away. The world says, if you can, uh, if you, uh, the world says, keep everything you've got. The kingdom says, give it away and you get more. That's the principle. And then he says, uh, verse 10 is really where I want to come to. The thief, or the devil, or the enemy, or Satan, or whatever name you want to give him. The thief comes only to steal, and kill, and destroy. Now if that was the gospel, it would be not very good news. We'd be on the defensive. We'd be trying to keep the enemy at bay. But then he says, but I have come. Thank God he came. I have come that they may have life and just get by by the skin of their teeth. Is that what it says in your version? No. It says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. There's a great passage, John 10, and it goes on to talk about uh, him being the good shepherd um, and all of that. But I want to home in on, I have come, Jesus came to give us life and to give his life to the full. So, the devil came to steal, kill and destroy. Jesus came to give life. Can we see the difference? Yeah. I don't know where Rachel got this, but she, she shared it with the woman down in, in Moat. And you know, I want to say to the woman who go to Moat, thank you for going. 
Because I believe yesterday with the men gathering together, there was something that was already prepared. Moat is a tough place. Moat is a very closed place. And I've had a, a, a bit of a reaction over the years, even where I go to play golf in Moat, to the gospel, and quite hostile. But I believe that yesterday was part of, part of what happened yesterday was the result of people praying, the church praying, and some of those women who are going, uh, have gone six weeks before Christmas, and they're going six weeks, they're three weeks into it, another three weeks to go. So if you want to encourage them, um, women, go with them. And who knows what's going to happen. Um, it's amazing the contacts um, in Gulf uh, at the club because the family that owned the hotel we were meeting in, uh, two of the guys are members of the, cl- of the Gulf Club and I play with one of them, have played with one of them. And, just, and he came to me yesterday and he says, Trevor, is this your crowd? In other words, are you with, are you with these in this lot? You know, I was just going to open up another way, a guy, that, that they just haven't experienced anything like that before. hundred men together, sure, it would be a drinking session. And here they are, and they're coming out and they're saying thank you and behaving themselves. And Well, as much as we know they were behaving themselves. But here's the great exchange. You know that verse 2 Corinthians 5.17? I'm sure you know it. If anyone is in Christ, he is a... The old is gone and the new has come. With four verses down it says, God made him who had no sin to be sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's the divine exchange. That's the great exchange. He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. Look what else he did. My weariness for his strength. My weakness for his power. My darkness for his light. My problems for his solutions. My burdens for his freedom. My frustrations for his peace. My turmoil for his calm. My hopes for his promises. My afflictions for his balm of comfort. My questions for his answers. My confusion for his knowledge. My doubt for his awesomeness. My temporal for his eternal. And my impossible for his possible. That's the that's the divine exchange. And that's what God wants us to be living in. That's what he wants us to be moving in. And are we? That's the question. Are we living in that? If not, let's look at it and say why not? And if not, what do we need to change in order to move into that. Now it doesn't happen overnight as we know. I've said here some versions and John 10 and 10 rather than say living life to the full they say living life more abundantly. And that's what I want to take. I, 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 I still have this theme about making a difference, about being mad. Uh, remember John shared with us uh, being mad and dangerous and I remember him saying one time I hope we go out of here madder than what we come in Uh, depending on what your audience is how you say that they would definitely come and lock us up Uh, and then last week Tony really gave us a good uh, a good talking to and we've been praying that through this week and all our lives and in the church's life there's no, no point in just hearing it for a week and saying oh that, that really was a good talk Tony but you know what it hasn't really changed my life that's not what the word of God's for every word is to, is to work in us and to make us more like him 
1 John 3 and 8 says, The reason the Son of Man appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So all those, all those negatives, uh, that through Jesus coming and living and dying and resurrecting and interceding, he's exchanged, he's, he's exchanged those for the positives. He's exchanged death for life. Sickness for health. And even though some of us are sick, we're still believing. We're here for the long haul. Pray for Paul O'Connor. Paul's very poor at the minute. And really, I sat with him for an hour after on Thursday evening, later on, up to about half eleven. He could hardly breathe with the stuff. And he's a suction thing. Now, I know they, they, they wouldn't tell you this, but he's a suction thing that he brings this flame up and it goes into a bucket. And when they pour down the, 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 down the toilet, there's about that much and it's like oil sitting in the bottom of the bucket. Living with it day in and day out. So send taxes. Visit if you can. And it's very hard. We know he's lost his voice at the minute. But let's keep praying. We don't know how close we are. We don't want to be like that man uh, I was telling you about a couple of weeks ago where he stopped five minutes from the top of the summit. Who knows? But let's keep praying. So one of the things that stops us from living that sort of life, I believe, is self-centeredness. It's me, my and I instead of we, us and ours. And it's not all about us, we know. It's all about him. But we need to come to a place where we realize we're here for other people. It's lovely to have our needs taken care of. It's lovely to, to know that God loves us and he does love us. It's lovely to know that we're, uh, he has a plan and purpose for our lives. But you know, at the heart of all that he has given us, Really what he wants to see in us is a servant's heart. As one who thinks of... You know, it's one of the only few words I know in, in the Hebrew. Uh, uh, the, the word servant. And it's ebed. E-B. Obed. O-B-E-D. This is what it means. Someone at the disposal of others. And I thought, wow. We don't like to be at the disposal of others. Sure we don't. There's something in us. Unless we allow God to do a work. And yes, we get hurt. And people speak about us in not a nice way. But you know what? Look what they did to Jesus. And you know what? We probably deserve some of the stuff to say about us, if we're honest. Because we don't always have a good hair day. But you know, he deserved nothing. And he opened not his mouth. He opened not his mouth. Albert Einstein said this, Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. Wow. Only a life lived for others is a life worthwhile. So we've got to come to that place where we realize it's about him, but it's, it's about him coming to us so that we can touch other people. And we're not touching him with our gifts and abilities. We're touching him because he's making us more like Jesus. Day by day. Hour by hour. Moment by moment. And somehow, once we get our focus off ourselves, we become candidates for God to use. And we don't have to be a Christian a long time for that to happen. This young fella, this Kiwi guy I was telling you about yesterday, he was telling me about an incident with a friend, and he came in and he was sharing something with him. And he says, you know, that's not right. And he started just sharing what God has done in his life. And the guy looked at him. Do you know what he said? He, 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 
He was in Ireland and he went back to New Zealand and he got saved in New Zealand. But when he was in Ireland, he met his wife and she went along to Rowley's Church in Red Cross. And Rowley, at the end of the service, this is before he became a Christian, he says to him, he says, well, what did you think? This is what he said. He says, well, if there is a God, this would be the last place he would come to. He really impressed him. Uh, the service really impressed him. You know, it's lovely to see that young man sitting and to hear him speak about that man with love in his heart. See, God does that. God changes us from the inside out. And the other thing is this, this what I call uncrucified flesh. It's where we haven't taken things really to the cross and let it. You know, when Jesus went to the cross, they took everything from him. And, and, and sometimes, uh, isn't it, in Romans 12 it says, you know, as living sacrifices, and some wise practice said, the problem with a living sacrifice, it can crawl off the altar. Jesus didn't crawl off the cross. It would have been the easiest thing in the world for him to do to come down and just save himself. And the guy who says, well, you may as well save us as well. But he was only looking after himself. He didn't care about Jesus. But that would have been easy for Jesus to do. But he didn't do it. And when we come to that place of sacrifice and of commitment and of surrender, we need to be there every day. It's not a one-off experience. And we need to allow God to work on us. So that whenever the old life, the old ways, the old reactions come up, that we listen more to the Spirit of God and don't give vent to them. It's, it's the actually, it's the opposite to surrender. It's a non-willingness not to allow God to do a deeper work. The number one issue in, li- in living life to the full is primarily our heart attitude. It's, it's primarily our heart attitude. Someone has said the heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Isn't that so true? The heart of the human problem is the problem of the human heart. Listen to what Will Smith said. Will Smith. Where do you hear this? Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. Let God deal with the things they do, because hate in your heart will consume you too. I was amazed when I I said, "Is that the Will Smith I know?" It's a Will Smith. Is he a Christian? I I don't know, but I mean that. If it is him, he has learned something. Let me read it again. Throughout life, people will make you mad, disrespect you, and treat you bad. You can see, you can see that. Hear the old rapper in him, can't you? Let God deal with the things you do, because hate in your heart will consume you too. Uh, towards the end of last year I really felt um, and I know a number of people do this but I've I've done it at different times but I've committed myself that every month uh, that is 31 days I'm going to read a proverb each day and the other days that are 30 or 28 like February I'm going to try to read through the Psalms and in doing that um, I just want to talk about some of the hard issues that are in a few of the Proverbs as we go through them here. Proverbs 23 and 6 it says, Give me your heart. My son, give me your heart. And that's the starting point for all our walk with God. It starts with this. It's a surrendering of ourselves. And I, 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 like we've often said, when God asks us for our heart, He knows if we've got our heart, He's got everything else. 
You know, the two people in love. They say that when a man holds a woman's hand before marriage, it's love. When he holds it after marriage, it's self-defense. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Why do you think I'm saying it? <laughs> Give me your heart. You know, and that isn't a one-off experience either. Because every time, because you know, it's like, you know when we fill a jar and there's a leak in it? We leak, don't we? And sometimes we just need coming back and say, God, I'm giving you my heart. I'm giving you my heart again. I'm giving you my heart. We're going to sing a song at the end. This is my desire to honor you. Lord, I give you my heart. I worship you. Um, Secondly, then it says, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. The wellspring of life. So this heart thing is important. In other words, it's worth it. By guarding our heart and putting a guard around our heart, it's worth it because life comes from our heart. As the blood pours around the body, but into the heart and from the heart around the body, it's giving life. So our heart condition, what is our heart condition before God this morning? Proverbs 22, 17, 23, 12 says, Apply your heart. So we've got to give our heart, we've got to guard our heart, but then we've got to apply it. There's no point knowing it if we're not doing it. It's got to, it's got to be worked out in our, in, in our lives. It says, Apply your heart to what I teach, to my instruction. And a lot of these are addressed to my son. Um, and it's not just to the males. But it's... it's, it's uh, a lot of them are Solomon's Proverbs in that regard, talking about what he's learnt and passing it on. But you know what? Applying your heart takes effort. You know, I wasn't very long in sport when I realised I was good at some things naturally and there were other things I had to work at. But when I saw people who achieved certain things, even in my level of sport, there was nobody who achieved it because they were just, talent, just naturally talented. They had to work at it. There has to be... There ha, talent is great. But you know what? If you, I, I prefer somebody less talented who's determined to put the work in. Because you'll probably get better results in the end of the day. So it takes effort. And these things do not come naturally. Keep your heart. Um, 23 and 19. It says, keep your heart on the right path. How easy it is for us just to veer off even a millimetre but you know what the problem is when we get off a millimetre we don't stay a millimetre off because as the road goes on as the path goes on we veer more and more to the left or to the right and we will never get back on the road until there's a decision made keep your heart we need, to, we need focus and we need to stay on course so if you've lost a little bit of focus in the last little while, why not at the start of this month of prayer and fasting say, commit yourself. Say, Lord, I want to get back on track. I want to come and I want to get this sorted out. And then it says, our hearts reflect us. 27 and 19. It says, as water reflects the face, so the heart of a person reflects him or her. So, we can say certain things, 
But what does the Bible say? Out of the fullness of the heart a man speaks. So nothing comes out of us by accident. We may say things that we regret, but there's obviously, it's in there to come out in the first place. And then here's one that I love, that bringing joy to God's heart. That you and I, as human beings, can actually bring joy to God's heart. It says, be wise. By being wise, we bring joy to God's heart. What a privilege for you and me as ordinary people in one way that we can actually bring joy to the heart of... I think it's the greatest thing in life that we can do is to think of the pleasure that we can bring to God. Because when He looks at us he doesn't say, Anne, you know, you, 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 you had five times this week with me, you missed two. You know, brush up a wee bit there for next week. Or, uh, Sabine, um, you know, you, you did great, but... Or Derek, you know, you're doing good, but there's a few things you need. He looks at us with unconditional love. And he sees what we do. He's not oblivious to it. But you know what? He just still loves us. He pours his love into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. So three attitudes I think that we need to be expressing constantly in, in living life to the full. Number one, being thankful. There's something about being thankful. I love being about thankful people. It rubs off on you. Just the same way when you're with negative people, it rubs off on you as well. But you know what? We get to choose who we hang out with. And sometimes we need to change who we hang out with. Because we, we know that if we're with a, a certain type of person, we'll catch what they have. Number two, being joyful. Being joyful. Listen to this anonymous quote. The happiest people don't have the best of everything. They make the best of everything. You see, happiness does not depend on happenings. It's an attitude of the heart. But we want to be real, not plastic. But this joy is a thing that's deep down inside of us. I know... (laughs) Growing up, we used to go to different churches up north, and uh, we used to talk about the joy of the Lord. And you used to say, uh, "It's so deep down inside of us, you need a, a lurgan spade to dig it out." <laughs> and because we never express it, because we're in church, I thank God that we're not like that. Um, we don't have everything right, but we have maybe have one or two things right. And then the third thing is, we need to be embracing opportunities. I think it's great whenever people make decisions, and even a little bit later on in life, to change, change direction. Um, I remember. Uh, I'm just gonna. I'm gonna pick you out, Hannah, because um, this girl is a very gifted girl, lady, and uh, you know, just uh, to, to to make that decision to go back to college. You know, sometimes we think it's just a human thing. But I, 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 I think there, there's something in it that, that shows that you're not afraid. 
to embrace change. Uh, was it easy? Did everything come to you as if you were, whenever you were in school? Of course it didn't. But there was something happened. But what did she do? She made a decision, but she persevered with it. And something happened. And I think, I just, I, I, I'm just interested to see how the Lord guides you. And your husband as well, going back to college, and, uh, trying to change, change direction and change... Why? And maybe it's because things dried up or, or whatever. It doesn't really matter the reason. But to have the courage to do it. I applaud you. And I applaud others who have done that here. Some people who have come and you never thought you would get to college. And I'm sitting with some people and they're saying, I'm thinking of going to college. And I'm thinking, wow, that's amazing. That's amazing. So if you're in that bracket, embrace it. Maybe you're thinking about it and you need that little push. Maybe this is it this morning. But we need to embrace opportunities. We need to overcome our fears. You know, what we tolerate will never change. What we tolerate in our lives, we will never change. It's the old Sarah, Sarah thing. So I want to encourage us this morning to uh, this is really to leave us with a bit of reflection to do until next week, and we'll follow this on next week. But I want to leave us with this this thought: Am I living life to the full? Is this it? Or what is what, what do I need to do in order to to move towards that? I'm saying we need to give our hearts, we need to guard our hearts, we need to apply our hearts, and we need to keep our hearts in the right space. We need to be thankful, we need to be joyful, and we need to be people that embrace every opportunity that comes our way. Let's pray. If the worship team could maybe come... um, Whoever's left... We're going to do it anyway. It doesn't matter. It's about the heart. Um, yet, Sean, if you put up the, the, the song, This Is My Desire, but let's just pray as we, as we wait before God. And I want to just read this out. This is what it says. Lord, we're praying this to you, Father. This is our desire to honor you. Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. All I have within me, I give you praise. All that I adore is in you. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I live for you alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, Lord, have your way in me.